Warning. Warning. Potatoes and pasta contain adult language and discussions of sexual content, substance abuse, domestic violence, and suicide. If you or someone you know is struggling, please seek help. We've included resources in the description. Additionally, we are not psychological professionals and we don't claim to be experts of any kind. We are barely experts in our own experiences. These are simply our thoughts and reflections on ourselves and our family, with the purpose to entertain and indulge our own nostalgia. Were you evacuated from another person? Do you love and hate them for that? Were there other people around when you were born? Are they both the best and worst thing in your life? That person had dreams too, Russell, and now they're pushing a screaming bowling ball from their body. Hello, family! Welcome, you! This is our podcast. Potatoes and Pasta, a discussion about our family. I'm Spud. And I'm Mac. In this podcast, we will explore the experiences, stories, and dynamics of our shared upbringing. And how we've gotten by with heaping helpings of laughter, potatoes, and pasta. A reflection on our starchy family. Episode 1.3. Mom, today's topics, mothers and daughters, and mothers and sons. Well, I mean, sometimes relationships with your parents are easy, sometimes they're not. Mm-hmm. Definitely towards the first 20 years of my life, my relationship with my mother was quite simple and easy. Mm-hmm. I felt that way. We were quite close. Mm-hmm. I was for sure a mama's boy. It's true. And mom let me get away with anything I wanted, really. Yeah? Kind of. I remember being like three years old, and she'd be getting ready for work and walking up to her like, Mom, give me some blush on my face. And Mm -hmm. she'd turn around and boop, 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 and just give me a few little hits off that that sweet powder. (laughs) That brush. The good brush. Whenever she got home and I wanted to wear her high heel shoes around the house, I was allowed to. No big deal. Mm-hmm. But then she was fucking shook when I came out. It's true. I think it, <laughs> yeah, it definitely impacted her in a more intense way than it did Dad. Right. Whereas I was so worried about that with Dad. Yeah. And it was so little of a deal. I think Mom was overall, like, an exceptional mother. Yes. I think the general word for her I would use is nurturing. Yeah, which I think is funny because I don't think that she would describe herself that way. No. Which is wild because to give a little more context about who our mom is and like how she grew up, tell a bit of her story. She was born in our hometown as a second child. She has um, an older sister and a younger brother. Both of our parents are middle children. Um, yes, both of our parents are middle children, as we've said. And they reek of it. Yeah, they really <laughs> they really do. And unfortunately, when our mom was about two years old, her mother died as a result of childbirth. Because at the time, they didn't know that after childbirth, one of the best things for most women, pregnancies, most people who can get pregnant, uh, after giving birth, that person should be active. They should not be bedridden. It's best that they be as active as they can, as they're able to. Um, And so our grandmother, after giving birth to our uncle, which we have a whole episode about her and our grandfather and that whole story, she got a blood clot in her leg and it traveled up to her brain and it killed her. 
And so mom grew up without a mom. Our grandfather ne never recovered from losing our grandmother and made some very poor life and relationship choices as a result. He married a horrible woman who is a physically and emotionally abusive stepmother to our aunt and our mom. Yeah, she grew up with like not a good childhood. Like they had their basic needs met. Mm -hmm. Like they didn't want for food or shelter. But they were also like on assistance. Like they mm -hmm. they needed help. Yeah, she grew up poor. She grew up under nurtured herself. She grew up around alcoholism. Around yeah, and in a toxic and abusive environment. Um, and then when she was sixteen, she met our dad. They started dating. They were introduced by someone that she's still friends with today. And those really fools cool. are still married. And those fools are still married some 45 years later. It was 45 years this September. They've and been together? Since they were 16 and 17. Longer than they were not together. Yeah, at this point, yeah. Mm -hmm. She is an intensely hard worker, sometimes to her detriment. Mm -hmm. She worked kind of... What we would think of at the time as, like, very typical teenage jobs. Uh, in high school, she worked at, like, a fried chicken joint and did some other, like, part-time type work. And then when her and dad got married, she stayed home for a while. She had a lot of her own mental health struggles, sought help, was, like, seeing a psychiatrist. She struggled with agoraphobia for a while, from what I recall. Depression, anxiety, a lot of the same stuff that I like dealt with my early 20s and mid 20s and she's been an antidepressants our entire lives yeah and there's no shame in that hell no in fact like i recently started taking antidepressants and she was my like first phone call when i was like i'm thinking about this mm -hmm. i think it could help me and she like really it was very honest with me about her experiences and like how she's like yeah my brain's fine i just need like 10 milligrams of serotonin to get through the day and I was like dope my doctor thinks I need five <laughs> she was like try it like <laughs> you know I uh our mother has been one of those for like 95 percent of the things in our lives that we've wanted to do or try growing up she has been Linda Belcher where it is just unrelenting support and mm -hmm. yes get it children do what you want all right I'm so excited for you yeah, she um, I think it's because she didn't get that growing up. Like she, I think both of our parents parent from an understanding of what they didn't have. Both of them worked and, and succeeded in making very different childhoods for their children than they had themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, once she worked through a lot of her mental health stuff, and that included like a chronic diagnosis of an autoimmune disorder when she was very young. Crippling arthritis. Yeah, she's got rheumatoid arthritis. Um, and she got it at, like, 22, which is super rare. Like, it's either juvenile, where they get it in their teens, or you're, like, 50. So she's what like a, a shit rare... deck of cards. Truly. Um, and then she started volunteering in a disability advocacy space, and they eventually hired her. And she had a very successful career there for, like, 36 years. Mm -hmm. And she's now retired chasing around the dog she's always wanted mm -hmm. like she's thriving right now which is incredible to see i mean that is probably the shortest telling of her her life story. i know i uh, know i did that in like three minutes yeah uh and, and that's her episode folks no. so uh thanks for joining us no they waited 11 years to have children and mm -hmm. but 
I think one of the great things about her too was she fulfilled that pink collar role yeah. too. Like, you know, she was a, a career woman. Mm -hmm. She did it all. That doesn't mean it was easy or she didn't struggle at times. Mm -hmm. um, but she really did luck out with a fantastic life partner in her dad. And as did he. Yeah. But, uh, and that job situation was gold though. She six hours a day in at eight out at two thirty. She could get home at two forty-five and have a great evening experience. Yeah. Which I find myself now been working full time for Jesus fifteen years now. I'm like, where's that eight to two forty-five schedule? Yeah, I mean, like once she had a boss that wasn't a misogynist who mm -hmm. like understood that she was also a mom and that that came first. Yeah, I mean, she was also the one that like would if we got sick at school, we call it, like mom was the one that came and got us and like. She had an amazing boss. Yeah, she did. Um, and she also him. advocated yeah. for herself yeah. to have those things happen. I went to his retirement party, and I went and shook that man's hand, and I said, thank you for allowing and granting those requests that our mom made so that we could have a, an exceptional childhood. Yeah. Um, we noticed, we appreciated, and thank you. Yeah. And, of course, he was just like, you know, all bashful, like, you know, no big deal, come on. And it shouldn't be. No, but it she shouldn't be exceptional. A six-hour workday, and she was able to telecommute decades before everybody on the planet had to or yeah. could. Yeah. And for some reason, the technology situation at the IT department there—if she left her desktop on at work, she could access it through the internet from her her uh, desktop at home and just continue to work. Mm -hmm. So she spent a majority of the summers with us. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean like she was up our our asses mm -mm. on everything, but you know she could you know peek her head around the corner while still doing work. Yeah. And she talked about how much more she got done without all the workplace distractions. Yeah. But we always shared lunch, breakfast, and lunch together. We got still had our three meals with mom. Mm -hmm. And she usually was enforcing some sort of academic um, maintenance over the summers too. Mm -hmm. I did all those little workbooks. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just it was. 13 questions, one page a day you had to do. I mean, the time yeah. I groaned like it was, you know, murder and I had to... Five-page essay on... Write a, di <laughs> uh, write a dissertation on, uh, you know, the fall of the Ottoman Empire. But it was really just a simple, like, two reading questions, three maths, and, you know, some science. It, just, it really was just... She wasn't going to let the summer slump happen. Yeah, or, like, encouraging us to keep you keep up with our instruments, so that I was, like, piano for both of us, clarinet for me, baritone for you, like... Dad bought, Dad bought that piano and said, you're going to play it for at least five years, to me. Yeah. You were going to get our money's worth out of it kind of thing, but he, but Mom enforced it. Yeah. You're going to go, you're going to go play, you're going to go spend your 30 minutes on the keyboard. Yeah. I mean, they still have it. We yeah. still have like those both of the both the keyboard and the piano are still in the family and so. still in use. So yeah, <laughs> it was well worth it for sure. Dad gets such jollies out of that too. He does, he yeah. does, and especially now that he's like picked up a musical instrument in his in his retirement, like yeah. he gets it. I think more. But the passion for music birthed from mom. Most definitely. I mean, she was a band kid in high school. Um, she played the clarinet. Um, and what's so funny is. I played, well, I played her clarinet when I, like, first started. And that was so cool. My own. But, yeah, 
was she one day pulled me aside while I was in high school and she said, I, I want you to know that I'm really proud of you for doing marching band with clarinet. And I was like, yeah, well, you did it too. Like, you get it. And she was like, I didn't. And I was like, what? And she was like, I wouldn't play my instrument. I just moved where I was supposed to. But I didn't play at the same time. I I, I, I didn't do it. And I, I was like... I did not know that. You didn't know that? No. I was like, oh. And she was like, but you, like you're really good at it and like that's amazing and mm -hmm. i was like thanks i did it because you did it like as i thought you did it. just under this assumption <laughs> yes under this assumption that we, and, and it is something that we have in common like her mm -hmm. and i can still like trade marching band stories and like things like that but uh, yeah it was just so funny that she like pulled me aside and admitted that she really just like didn't granted she went to a much school with a much bigger band program than i did so like i you and I went to, were, went through a school in a band program that had, when I was in band, there was like 50 people. Out of I had field. 90, but she had like 200. 200, yeah. Yeah, I mean, she went to one of the biggest public schools in our hometown. Yeah, one clarinet player not playing, nobody's going to notice. But if one of your clarinet players isn't playing in a 50-person marching band, like, I everybody's we, getting called out. <laughs> I remember we did uh, the marching band sectionals, mm -hmm. um, and we went up to the Vassar. Oh, the festival? Festival. And we, you guys had just had such the coolest little routine that happened. And, you know, props to the band director director at the time who, who managed you guys. Um, but, you know, that was one of the great joys for mom and dad, too, was watching us do those kind of things. And for mom to see something that she did. And then for like, well, when I did marching band that one year, and then you did it for four years, and then you picked up so many more instruments, it was just really cool. I just remember this, like, the great moment you guys were all spread out, and then you started just, like, gently coming together, mm -hmm. and then you were, like, just this ball on the, the it was just a circle, just a full, fully encompassed ball. I'm like, okay, no big deal. And then you start doing like these alternating circles that just swirled within you. We call them the death squares. <laughs> it was just the most bitching thing I'd seen. I'm like, and then like you had hit these, you'd hit a bass note, and then the thing just started like jiving yeah. as you guys hit like a really strong percussion yeah. repetition. And you and guys, I was on the drum line. You guys then. started hitting all these low notes. Well, like I remember you like you were in the middle of that pod. Oh, I know what show you're talking about now. Yeah. So you guys had come together this circle, and then that circle just started like vibing yeah. and it was just a really jazzy moment yeah. and um i remember just turning mom and like that's cool yeah that's really cool that's fun yeah those are some of my like best high school memories like and i it's because of her yeah like it's because she was in band and saw the value in a musical education for us yeah and i loved every minute of band oh my god i loved it i well i mean i've joined two different community bands since I graduated mm -hmm. from college. I did a semester of college band and loved it. But then after that, because I wasn't like a music major, mm -hmm. I couldn't like fit it in. But it was fantastic. Yeah. It was just, I guess it could have been the closest thing to a team sport. or mm -hmm. team. It was definitely a team activity that we did. For sure. Um, but they loved going to all the band concerts oh, all and the all concerts. that stuff. Yeah. And loved it. It was a great, yeah. And all because she did band in high school yeah i mean it's definitely like it's i see it in a in like the least macabre way possible it's like it's part of her legacy mm -hmm. she couldn't really go very far with the piano because the the crippling arthritis in her hands and then especially she had that surgery done yeah she couldn't 
She still the knows her way around it. Right. She can read music yeah. for sure, and she knows where all the keys are on the on the on the piano. Yeah. But... And she can still play the clarinet. We've mm-hmm. played the clarinet together. There are some like note transitions that she struggles with. Like she can't move her fingers individually mm-hmm. the way that she used to. But if she's on like the, the second part where it's like the long notes, like her and I can jam together. Yeah. Which is so fun. Yeah, I just love that was such a special moment for her to go to that music store, have her old clarinet refurbished, mm-hmm. and then for you to have, take that heirloom and use it and wield it so well for so long. Yeah. That was really special. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. She's given us many gifts in that oh, way. Yeah. Not yeah. just physical, but so do we want to dive into kind of like our each individual relationships with her? You kind of started there. Mm-hmm. Um, Mom and I cooked. Cooking was, mm-hmm. was the, the largest bonding activity for the two of us. I think I noticed it was just an inane thing for me when food was a draw point. You mean innate? I, innate. Yeah. Inane. Innate. Whatever. It was instinctual hmm. for me. It was subconscious. The fact that I noticed everybody always gathered in the kitchen. Kitchen plus food plus people equaled happiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I've been chasing that ever since. Uh, I've known since I was 10 years old exactly what I want to do. Mm-hmm. If I, if you'd asked me at 10, would I be where I'm at? No. But it was it's I've always wanted to do some sort of work with food in in every in any capacity really mm-hmm. not to mention all the fantastic cooks uh, in the family uh, starting with mom uh, our closest aunt our other closest aunt mm-hmm. our uncle two of our uncles phenomenal cooks both of their wives both of their wives just so much centralness to a family is revolves around food. Mm-hmm. This podcast will probably hear me say that at least once an episode, <laughs> yeah. that, that food is everything, yeah. uh, because it l- almost is everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we've always, always, I don't really remember a time where we weren't in the kitchen together. I mean, there's pictures of us when I was three or four helping do the dishes. Yeah. My mom taught me one of my first hard-learned lessons where, you know, Go ahead and burn yourself on on the toaster, you idiot. I'll tell you otherwise. I still have the scar on my hand from that. Yeah. Just the the kitchen is just the heart of the home. And so Mm -hmm. I just want to be there. Yeah. And she does too. I've always respected her homemaking, her Mm -hmm. housekeeping, her... Hostess abilities. Hosting abilities, absolutely. She does a really good job with it. She likes to make sure, with her nickname Fuss, she does fuss over everybody. Some For some folks who don't receive that well, it's a bit much. Mm-hmm. For those who love it, they they absorb as much of it as they can. I'm thinking of um, Grumpy. Mm-hmm. Grumpy D. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he loved when Mom fussed over him. Yeah. Just, just thrived. Yeah. They have a special relationship, too, in the sense that, like, they both joined a large Catholic family, so I think they, like, share, and, like, they married the siblings that were best friends. Right. And we have, like, a whole episode dedicated to those We're going to stop talking about what episodes are coming, but, you know, just know we're going to probably deeper dive into other things if you're like, oh, I want to hear more about that. Well, we're going to deep dive. We have a long plan. Yeah. Yeah, because he called her Bug, Mm -hmm. and she, the only platonic people I've seen who showed that much physical affection to, towards each other and it was always 10,000% okay with the respective spouses. Mm-hmm. 
my God, at our grandfather's funeral last October, mom walks up to the, our, our grumpy uncle and like full on tongues the man. No, you are. I'm exaggerating wildly, <laughs> but it was a and this is pre-COVID, so it was a right. full mouth kiss. Yeah. And and his new wife, who's you know is lovely. Yes, um, we love but her. after he divorced our aunt, he remarried. She gets it too. Yeah. Yeah, and it was. It's just. Just for folks who don't know that, we weren't ready startling. either. Yeah. We don't hang out with him so much anymore, as often as we probably like to. But yeah. just wasn't wasn't ready for that. It was just um. It was a shocking refresher. <laughs> <laughs> really, for the uh, you know, and we called them um. The old guard, really. Yeah. That that generation, that crew that used to hang and party together all the time. Yeah. But mom really was a nurturer through and through with between, you know, cooking. And one of the things that her and I also constantly bonded over was getting the house decorated for each season. Mm -hmm. Not just Christmas, but decorating really started about 4th of July time. Yeah. Oh, shit. We had the, like, the Valentine's Day, the Irish... Easter, uh, depending on where that fell in the yeah, calendar. Yeah, the Easter decorations, 4th of July. Well, then both of our birthdays were in between mm-hmm. there, so there was always a little something up. Yeah, and then it was, those were mild compared to the ramp up of Halloween, Halloween Thanksgiving, to Thanksgiving, and then Christmas, Christmas, which is a full two days mm-hmm. to decorate that house. And we had a theme and stuff for every room. Yeah. It was, it, it was just a, a fun chore that we we did yeah like when we go to piano lessons or whatnot though it's just her and i were always singing in the car Mm -hmm. singing aretha franklin Mm -hmm. having a blast with music and doing a lot of that and so i think for a long time not only was she just you know mom but she was a friend and and i saw her that way even though i firmly believe that should never be a relationship like you can't be friends with your kids you can be friendly yeah but you're not Friends, you know, my best friend's my mom. Fuck you. No, you're not. <laughs> Shut up with that. Then your mother's a poor mother and never disciplined you, and you're an obnoxious brat, which is usually the case. I, I received that, but that's probably mostly what happens with that. No disrespect to anybody who has that relationship with their mothers. When I came to a, a point in my life where a big shift was going to happen, and that was me coming out, mm-hmm. you were there for that, and... Like the initial response was what everything I hoped for. Like that that first conversation was everything I hoped it would be. Mm-hmm. They were cool. They were calm. They already knew. The first thing they said was, "We love you. You're our son. Nothing's gonna change. You know, we we absolutely support you and all that." And then two nights later, she lost her fucking mind. Yeah. That was really that was rough because mm-hmm. it was a stark betrayal of what I had in my mind and this person of, uh, this is the woman who worked for, you know, this disability network Mm -hmm. and told us, she introduced us and and really imposed respect of diversity. She was, she was the PC police for a long time. Um, You know, taking us to her work. This is a disabled person. Introduce yourself, treat them like you would any other human being. This is a person of a different ethnicity than us. You do the same exact thing. You treat them like they're a human being. Yeah. You know, we're going to watch, we're going to listen to diverse music and Mm -hmm. just not appropriate a culture. Mm -hmm. We're going to, you know, we're going to take these steps to be inclusive. Mm -hmm. And so when she's always 
the peacemaker of the family when she's always, you know, we just, just constantly support people. Yeah. Your cousin made a foolish decision. We're not going to judge her for it. We're just going to quietly support her. Mm -hmm. Even when we like do our behind the scenes shit talking to folks and just venting about things, she never liked it. She didn't until she got more comfortable sharing her own thoughts and feelings with us, but she was very much like dad would let you in on kind of like the, what do they call that? inside baseball mm-hmm. of the of the family of like how he really felt about people whereas i think mom took more of the approach of like we don't want our children to be disrespectful in front of these people mm-hmm. so i'm not going to share what i actually think right. about them and i'm going to discourage them from being rude even behind closed doors which yeah. i think is was to our benefit he'd get like building up on the roller and he reached the peak of the roller coaster before he's about to dive in to mm-hmm. the point where he's going to lose consciousness right and completely see red yeah. and, and wig out, and she'd stop it right there. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, about 10 minutes in, that's enough. That's the line. I, yeah. I've heard enough. Yeah. You know, shit talk my sister. Right. I, I get it, but that's enough. Yeah. And so we'd always see that. And so for me, I'm like, this mom is just always so accepting of everybody. So, you know, inclusive and mm-hmm. all these things. We never brought a friend over she had an issue with that I'm aware of. Until I came out. And so she dragged me into her. Meanwhile, I'm on the phone with a little professor. We'd already been secretly dating for a year. Yeah. Um, We had plans to move in together. Uh, They recognized that this was more than going to be a roommate situation. And then they finally asked. And I just sat there absolutely stunned. And mom said, I think, you know, turned to Dan and said, I think you broke him. And I just nodded my head. Yeah, and dad just simply asked, is there more of this relationship than we're aware of? Which was really so sweet. Yeah. That, you're fucking queer. Yeah. You're gay. Yeah. No, just, is there more of this relationship than you've let on? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And after that one, that initial moment, dad, the, the hugs, mm-hmm. the tears of relief. Mm-hmm. At that point, like, I had skyrocketed to cloud nine. Yeah. Folks are cool. We're moving on. I'm moving in with the love of my life. Mm-hmm. This is going to be amazing. I'm starting this new career. Mm-hmm. I had just gotten that job. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. Things are looking up. And so it's when she dragged me into her bedroom, and I just remember sitting on the floor, and she's sitting on the bed, and she just started angry crying at me. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not how we raised you. This is not the way this was supposed to go. Mm-hmm. How dare you do this to me? Mm-hmm. You, you've done nothing but disappoint me. You're, you know, you failed me as a son. Mm-hmm. And it was just a lot of anger. And I've seen her wield her anger against dad and her frustration, but it had never been like truly direct. You know, she always been annoyed or frustrated. You know, swat you up in the back of the head because you're being a shit. Mm-hmm. I open my fucking mouth again gonna happen she had to know so she's usually at the ready for it but she had never wielded such deep deep hurt at me and i think that's what hurt too was that i wasn't ready for that mm-hmm. and then of course the catholic guilt mm-hmm. i had hurt my mom and that was something that got instilled in me very early when i was young and a, like a kid i remember our babysitter guilted me for kicking my mom one time like mm-hmm. i'm talking like i'm three years old yeah i'm still a little nightmare who shits his pants developmentally so. appropriate right and she had told our babysitter about it and then 
babysitter read me to filth. Mm-hmm. How dare you hurt your mother? How dare you do that? She does nothing but love and care for you. Mm-hmm. And you don't treat her that way. Mm-hmm. Mom's on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. Always and forever. Mm-hmm. And then so when I broke her heart, that fucking sucked. Yeah. That really, really sucked. And that's such a conflict for, for queer folk, too, is that this person, this thing that's part of me and will be a part of my life mm-hmm. has hurt you. That, this, that my joy is hurting you. Yeah. And that's such a conflict to be in a part of, to, to be in. I do remember, I don't remember too much of, of that conversation, but I do remember I stood my ground and I was not going to back down. And because, of course, I had given the pretty traditional, oh, I'm not gay, I'm bisexual. And and that that's that can be a, a transition for some folks um, who then later identify as fully homosexual uh, on that scale. Um, no disrespect to anybody who is actually bisexual and, and that's where they're always going to be. And that's fine because sexuality is a spectrum. And it can fluctuate. I, I'm gay. Yeah. I'm fully gay. And, I, of course, I took that little stepping stone. And so they reserved hope. And I shouldn't have done that. But I'm 21 at the time. Yeah. So I do remember she, she said, you know, she tried to wield our shit talking. Because I, I said back to her at one point, I said, you've taught me nothing but to respect and be open and inclusive. So where is all this bigotry coming from? And she thought she had me because she said, your cousin. You guys do nothing but shit talk your cousin. Behind her back, day in and day out, and this, that, and the other. And I looked at her and I said, but I we support her. To her face and when it matters and when it counts. Mm-hmm. And she just sat me stunned. Stared at me stunned. Because I think I rebelled for like three minutes in high school. And it was about some trip we were taking with the friends up to our aunt's house for a weekend. And um, she got on my case about how I got in your case, Mac. Mm -hmm. Because I was the third parent you never asked for or needed. And and I remember then she had said to me like, you're always on her ass. You're always on her ass. Just leave her alone. I don't know where you get this from. And I remember I threw my glasses on the ground and said, I can't imagine who. Yeah. And that's when it was done. Mm-hmm. Um, I was swiftly put down for that moment. But so when I came out and I threw that back at her, she was just stunned. Mm-hmm. And she turned to dad for support and she didn't get it. He just said, you know, we've got, we're still processing. This is a lot for us to absorb. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he, he played peacemaker for a long time there. Yeah. I'm grateful for that. But I mean, and that was, that led into like four to five years of really awkward work. Yeah. And coming to Jesus on a lot of things and a couple family meetings Mm -hmm. that had to happen and, and air Mm -hmm. grievances and, and have some tough conversations. Yeah. And so that was like a real breakdown of the relationship that needed to be rebuilt. Yeah. And we're absolutely back to a very good place. You know, when gay marriage was legalized, she sent me a thing like, you know, we're so happy that you guys are now able to do this. And she's since come to love and embrace, literally, um, the little professor. 
she was like she actually kissed him what was it um four nights ago yeah and, his and that's a big deal yeah he's um, not a physically affectionate no. person at all you know and of course what do we go back to the medium was cooking let's just start cooking it out yeah and i mean we had a really you know she started getting real defensive and defiant about mango too to where you know we just had to sit the whole family down and like and you and i had done a lot of leg and prep work like we sat down we literally wrote down our thoughts and we mm-hmm. planned an agenda and we we're having a family fucking meeting yeah and they do not like when we do that hell no they fucking hate it because we had to remind them that they raised us right yeah and we're gonna hold them to that yeah and they don't get to take easy easy outs on things no just because they're our parents yeah I loved that little moment, though, when you asked the question, so what does family mean to you? And where, and we like we did, like, exercise, like, here, we're going to do a little exercise. Write down what family means to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all had notepads and everything. Dad wrote down, like, the, he, he wrote out, like, a full, like, graph chart. Oh, yeah. It was, like, a, a network map and all this yeah. stuff. And I had written down circles. He's a very visual. You I, and him are both much yeah. more visual I did than radial circles out yeah. of, like, how your circles of friends were. You know, you got your family, your core family, your extended family, and we radiate out. Then you've got your close friends and your acquaintances, acquaintances yeah, like... work, co-work, all those layers. And mom had two words. Yeah. Blood, marriage. And this was before gay marriage had been passed, so she yeah. could legally deny. Right. <laughs> and um, that was a two and a half hour conversation. Yeah. That was rough. It was really rough. What I wasn't ready for was that the confidentiality thing. I wasn't ready for Dad to be so pissed about that. They were very upset. That they're, and they, this has been a theme for them in our adult lives, Mm -hmm. is they were very upset that me and my best friend knew a full year before they did that you were gay. Mm. They did not like that somebody outside the family knew that information before they did. They could forgive you for telling me. Mm Mm-hmm. But at the same time, mom also has, like, weird feelings about our relationship, and she seems to be under the... When we're good, it usually means we're conniving against her. Yes, in some fashion, which is never the case. And when we have a falling out, it's it's bad because you're siblings. You should love each other. Right. The duality of man, I suppose, but... Or woman, in this case. But they... I think it hurt them that as much as they... She at least might have expressed... Never wanting to know this information about you in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. That somebody outside the family knew. But this friend was... This friend was, is family. Was, yeah, they're fam. And that was the thing that was like, they were going through their own thing too. I know. Well, so yeah, that's the thing too, right? About like straight parents of queer children mm-hmm. is that there's this like... And just parents in general have to... Well, at some point, most parents will reach a point with their children where they have to let go of who they thought that person was or was going to be. Their expectation of who they were going to be. Yes, they have to let that go. It is part of parenthood, Mm -hmm. and it's something that our mother in particular struggles with. Right, and and I think, too, part of it was it's already out. We can't contain it. Yes, there's no... There's no damage control opportunity now. 
Right. There's no crisis way for us to manage what feels like a crisis to us. Mm-hmm. And because I remember not long after you came out, there was this moment. It was still. It was within like the week or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get into Hermione and her relationship, but in high school it was not good. We were not communicating well or seeing eye to eye on a lot of things as a lot of mothers and daughters don't at that developmental period. Um, We were getting into it about something. I don't really remember what, but the conversation turned to you. And (laughs) she tried to tell me that I didn't understand how she was feeling because she would never have grandchildren that were your children. And I looked at her and I said, that's not true. They have so many options. Like there's adoption, there's surrogacy. And I don't think I have ever come that close to her hitting me. She had to get up and leave the room before she physically acted on her feelings. Granted, like I had had a year to process. Mm -hmm. Also, like after you came out to me, it took me like two weeks to be like, fuck the church. He's more important than anything. See you guys later. (laughs) And just be like fine with it. The human instinct for legacy. Is biology. Yeah. I think for her, it was also like, even if I had my child Mm -hmm. through a surrogate, it It, was cheapened. Yes, it wouldn't be what they had imagined for It's not good enough. Right. I think parents end up grieving. All parents do, but I think queer folks in particular, it's like we had these expectations of you. I think also like the difference between her grief and dad's grief. I'm sure there were some expectations that dad had to let go of you. I think dad was more afraid for your safety. Uh, yeah, he didn't want me to get queer or gay bashed mm-hmm. or hurt. And Literal hate crime. Of, of, uh, yeah. I also think dad was aware of the statistics of suicide, which is a theme in our family. Mm-hmm. So he didn't want me to kill myself. Yeah. He came around a lot faster and realized, too, that am I going to lose my child, literally or figuratively, are we going to cut him off or am I going to con- you know, pursue and hammer through and, and have a relationship? And I don't think for him like that choice was really even a choice. It's not like mm-hmm. he sat down with it one day. Mm-mm. There was never an option. No. And I don't think mom was like, fine, I'll disown him or anything. I don't think that ever no. crossed her mind. We're no. not talking like that or anything. They never kicked me out. You know, there. But I think for them, it was the, the loss of what they foresaw their future with me being. Yes, and I also think with us being six years apart, whether they meant to or not, they were banking on grandkids earlier than they've gotten them because they're older than me. Yeah, they're still not getting them. Right. They still don't have them I as know. of this day. I know, but I yeah. well, I think it was also a big transition too because it wasn't it was as you said like it wasn't just that you came out. It was also like I'm moving out. And I'm gay. Like, it was a big transition moment for mm-hmm. everyone yeah. in that way. I mean, I had laid some seeds. Oh, for sure. Along the way, let alone the fact that you're putting... Not that, you know, doing feminine things makes me queer. Or my mom turned to be gay when she let me put makeup on. But, I mean, when I started coming home from college and having those tastes of freedom and whatnot, I, I flat out told them, too, like, yeah, I've gone to gay bars. I, I've Most of my friends at college are queer. Yeah, and then we met them at your graduation. Like. And then they're all surprised. <laughs> I mean, it was queers or hags. So everybody in the group wants penis. So what What do you really thought I, I was? You were the, the only straight? I was the straight-laced one in the group. Um, my dad knew when I kissed my roommate goodbye. Mm-hmm. And I never saw I haven't seen him again. I mean, we've chatted, but he, he's like, he goes, I knew when. And it was just on the cheek, and it was just mm-hmm. real quiet, just 
quick and subtle and just we helped him move i mean it's not like i had a relationship with him or we had ever been physical or intimate but that roommate definitely helped me come to terms with a lot that was a large part of the the falling out with mom after those family conversations it's just been putting in the work and the time to get back to a good place and you know we just still never missed a sunday dinner i know you're upset i know this is weird this is awkward and He's coming to get used to it. And they have. And I, I They're definitely... just used to it. They look forward to it. They enjoy right. it. They I mean, his want birthday him. card was so, we're so happy you're a part of our family. Yeah. I think they like, the, my relationship with mom has definitely been, is stronger now than ever. I think there's still little moments where she wishes she has grandkids. But I think for the most part, they've wrapped their heads around that they're not getting them from us, from me. Mm-hmm. At least they are very happy with their granddaughter. Their grand puppy is just very, <laughs> um, very little work for them. It just had a, a long, rough patch in the middle. You know, the nurturing definitely went away for a while, but it's not like we ever stopped giving hugs or anything. You know, a lot of those rituals didn't stop. That'd been worse. They would have been making it worse. A lot of work to get to a good place. A lot of heart to hearts. But if there's one thing mom and dad both taught us is you don't go to bed mad and we're always going to talk it out i think that's a a good reflection and culmination of my relationship with mom the fact that she's really a cutie oh my god she cracks me up she's ridiculous yeah she uses more emojis than either of us put together and i love it i love texting her i don't know the thumbs up emoji just seems so dismissive (laughs) i take it personal every time just thumbs up oh you're welcome. <laughs> she yeah. loves baseball. She does. She yeah is obsessed with our... Well, we've said we're from Michigan, so she's obsessed with the Detroit Tigers. The big D. And above everything else, she loves us. And we know it. Oh, yeah. There's never a question. Even in the, the, the midst of the darkness of that time, I, I never doubted that she still loved me. No, I never did. I mean, I might have felt like she, you know, she was absolutely... And the one thing she did say to me, because she was... When she was confronting me about the fact that other people knew before they did. Mm-hmm. I said, I did want to disappoint you. Of course, in our mom's typical fashion, children only live to disappoint you. She's so dramatic. She really is. She's so cutthroat, too. I think that's what people don't always realize about her when they first meet her. She's so sweet, so kind. Yes, very nurturing. And th- that's true. Like mm-hmm. Those are all true things. But like if you push her or you come for her family or you want to play around and she gets a little uncomfortable she goes for the jugular Mm -hmm. every fucking time there's no passive aggressiveness no it's either she's either passive or she's aggressive Mm -hmm. and she's only aggressive once and then you never do it again right she aims yeah she shoots to kill Mm -hmm. that one and then sits around and wonders why we're the exact same way Why you kids so mean to me? Oh my gosh, well she oh. used to she used to say that to me in high school. Boys won't like you if you're mean. And then I would say something along the lines of like, Will dad like you? She'd be like, Get out. <laughs> like leave the room. Like yeah. Right. <laughs> Don't talk to me. Right, listen, I mean the, about me. Listen, the right one will get it. Also, like Mango thinks it's fucking hilarious when I'm mean. I can have missed well, he, pro- he provokes you, too. He provokes me into it. I mean, I he's just as her giggling. I know. I love her so much. All right. What about your relationship with Mom? Yeah. Mom and I are at a good place now. But in contrast to what Spud has shared, Mom and I have to work harder to have a good relationship. It isn't as intuitive as it felt. Mm-hmm. 
for you and her. And what we noticed in like putting together this episode and the episode that we'll do about dad is that like your relationship with them is really based on the things that you do with them. Mm -hmm your activities together and mine is based on like what's our vibe right now like what's our dynamic what are the types of conversations we're having Mm -hmm. can we have a conversation and so as a kid I have a lot of fond memories of her playing with me Mm -hmm. she was really good like despite her arthritis about like literally getting down on the floor and like playing with dolls and like playing with my stuffed animals and like encouraging my imagination dad read to me more at night but there were times when i knew that i just like wanted her to read me a story mm-hmm. oh he was so brokenhearted every time too i know yeah yeah you mean yeah, yeah. sit in his bedroom just crying Not waiting really. for her to come back how'd it go did you do the right voices she's a feminist too she's a feminist from her time period and that's you know i've always thought of myself as a feminist Mm -hmm. as much as a cis white male can but yeah as feminism has evolved itself she is a second wave feminist yeah and bust yeah she has struggled with some aspects of modern day feminist Mm -hmm. and as with many things social justice related with our parents i compare them to being in a marathon like they're doing real fucking good for their age group Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know so she's gotten on board with more things than i think i would have anticipated but she's still there are still some things that she's old school about that like today's feminism has moved Mm mm-hmm in a different direction on. Um, but I know that I am a feminist and proud of being a woman and being feminine because of her. Mm-hmm. I know that I have a master's degree because of the like messaging that she gave me as a child about, and it, like I'm also considering another fucking degree at some point in my life because it was very much of like, there's nothing more important than your education. Your education can take you anywhere. You can do anything flat out. Well, we watched her get her we watched college her get her, degree. Yeah, we watched her get her degree. She went back to school when I was like eight. She was 40. Yeah, and she... Yeah. And she did it all remote. Yes. That's the wild part. I know. Because home-based learning is a discipline. It is. If all you got to do is just roll into class, prop your feet up... You can make it passing grade. Right. But if you don't know the shit from a distance learning program, mm-hmm. you're fucked. Yeah. She, yeah. I did and one she... remote class and I hated it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I did one remote class and it it's was awful. It's not great. Um... <laughs> by comparison. It's, well, it's yeah, awful. by comparison. It's, it's not not the great. worst experience of my entire life. No. But... Yeah, and she yeah she did it um she did it remote using the internet and they would mail her little VHS tapes. Oh my god, that was wild. With lectures and stuff. No, they didn't mail. She would go get them. Oh, that's right. She would pick them up from the the library yeah. of the college. Yeah, she graduated with honors. Mm-hmm. And my all three of my degrees are mm-hmm. st- strapped in a box somewhere. I'm sorry, I've got two degrees and a certificate are in a, a shoebox somewhere. Hers uh-huh. is in a plaque framed hell yeah and good for her yeah dad's sister was that was her gift to mom women who support women it's a good day hell yeah when it came to relationships with men that's where like i think she struggled a bit because i received a lot of like mixed messages of like you don't need a man being like financial independence is fucking key you need to have your own job your own source of income but also like please don't break up with the boy that you don't like anymore two weeks before prom because i want the pictures to look nice right so like (laughs) like that was a direct quote 
I did it anyway, but things were generally well, cause, fine. because, I mean, it was a guaranteed thing for her. If she gave you a direct order on anything, you were going to do the opposite. She should have known better. Which was so funny because she used to say stuff like, there was a girl in high school that you were friends with who was wonderful, who we all really liked, and y'all were friends and you were kind of hanging out. And I said to her, why don't you say something? This was when you were in high school. Like, we had zero clue about your sexuality outside of the few young ladies that you had dated. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. Oh, no. As a parent, you can't tell your child who you like or who you don't or what you want them to do or what you don't want them to do because at this age they will do the exact opposite so if it happens it happens if it doesn't it doesn't i don't really even remember being that close to that person but we liked her but there was like her grandparents went to church with them yeah that's what it was yeah fuck me she was nice lovely she now has three kids with some guy who's like 15 years older than she is love that for her anyway so mom and i like Things were fine in, like, elementary school, middle school, hit, like, a rough patch. Like, I didn't do well the first couple weeks of algebra, but then she's also really good at math. And Mm -hmm. she, like, tutored me through it, and I ended up doing just fine. Things were fine in middle school, and then things really started to deteriorate with her and I when I started dating. Mm -hmm. Even, like, not really dating, but, like, this, I'm 13 and this is my boyfriend. I'm going out. Dating, because... We're so in love. Yes. To this day, I don't think understands why I broke up with my very first boyfriend ever. I think the difference... I don't even know who that was. Oh, that one? Uh Uh-huh. Nice. He's a father now. He ended up marrying... The baby is fucking adorable. Yeah, he's like a respiratory therapist somewhere. He ended up dating a... um, I don't know who it is then. (laughs) Oh. Oh. Yeah. Lovely. Yes. Love him. Him and the girl he was dating in high school. Made it through college. Yeah. Got No, I, I liked him. He was a good kid. He was a good kid. Oh, yeah. Still see him every once in a while. Yeah. His wife is bi. They go to Pride. Mm Mm-hmm. With their cute dogs. With their cute dogs, and now they're going to bring their the cute baby. The greasiest hair. Whenever he I struggled hear... with hygiene mm-hmm. in middle school and high school, and has since gotten his shit together. I mean, he was also like a kid. Right. Um, <laughs> Kids don't like to bathe. No, especially teenage boys. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyway, yeah, like, she just, like, did not understand why I broke up with him. I think why, like, we do better with our opposite gender parents is because, like, dad doesn't project onto me his own experiences, and mom doesn't project her own experiences onto you, but I think mom projects her own experiences onto me, and dad projects his expectations onto you. A little bit. Dad's not much of a projector in that respect. No. But, um, definitely, yeah, you got the brunt of that one. Yeah. I think, similar to how... (laughs) She think you guys were going to get married? (laughs) I mean... Fucking maybe. And twelve. We were thirteen. Thank you very much. And this is the one for her. I swear. I this mean, is the one. Listen, he was a really nice guy. He was a great kid. He was funny. He was fucking funny, which is like a huge thing for like the family. Yeah. It's a huge thing for the family and a huge thing for me. Like the, the number one thing that somebody at like, why do you like Mango? Like, what was it about Mango that? School professor. Kid, yeah. kid makes me fucking laugh. At least once a week he slays me dead and I'm I'm on the floor crying yeah. laughing so hard. Yes. No, like Mango yeah. I laugh every day. Yeah. Every day. But he you know, he he'll set up like a really biting narky something and the it just professor. Yeah, and yeah. he just cuts me oh dead. Oh my god. 
and I just can't handle it. It's so yeah. bean and it's so good. It's yeah. just I gotta get points for right? for creativity. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, I broke up with him because. I was fucking 13 years old. Do you need a reason? No, no, but I was just like, this isn't working for me anymore. And she didn't support that choice. You found the one and you let him get away. Kind of. Which, what, like, what they're laughing about it. And what, it is asinine in hindsight. But here's, here was the reality of it, is I did it. Mm-hmm. We dropped him off at his house. We came home. I'm sobbing in her bed. Mm-hmm. She is trying her best to comfort dad comes in and goes what's wrong i can't even speak i'm devastated i knew i'd made the right choice for myself but that doesn't mean it didn't feel shitty Mm. and she laughed and said i have no idea she broke up but now she's upset i don't know why oh because you did it you shouldn't be sad yes And that's really my first moment of like disconnection with her, where I was like, we're gonna fight. Doesn't under like she's not even trying to understand how I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. Not only that, she's not even trying to be empathetic with me. I think to a lot of the the problems that uh, erupted and the fissures that happened between the two of you too is she was usually in so much conflict with her own emotions she yeah. couldn't handle she was already at 100 percent capacity and yeah. she c- couldn't yeah help. so there was this big disconnection and then like the rest of middle school was just like the rest like it was fine mm-hmm. and then we got into high school and i dated a couple other people and like the way that those ones ended she was more understanding of she was more like one of them cheated on me. Mm-hmm. Then, like, one of them couldn't take no for an answer, like, about very simple boundaries. And so when I expressed that to her, and I was like, I, I don't want to be with him, she was like, if he can't understand that no, there will be other no's that he can't understand. And if you need to break up with him, break up with him. And do it now. Yeah. Then there was a more significant relationship in high school that really, like, was frankly my, like, first cognizant <laughs> depressive episode. The fedora. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it ended so, like, him and I had been friends for, like, five years, which when you're in, like, middle school and high school is a long fucking time. Uh, it was a type of relationship where I just, like, couldn't believe that he liked me. Didn't he date the boy, your first boyfriend's now wife <laughs> for years? No. Oh. They were just best friends. I sense there may have been issue with that. Yeah, I mean, there were issues with that. There were there were all kinds of issues with that whole thing. He was cheating on me, not with her, come to find out. We really only dated for like three months. What? I thought that shit was like two years. No, we were just really good friends for a really long time. No, we dated for maybe like three months officially. Hmm. And I was, it was the first time I had been broken up with. Because you cold. Yeah, I am. I was fucking stone cold. I don't give a shit. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not no, teasing you. I know that you're not teasing me, but like, I have such a strong reaction to that because she would guilt me for breaking up with people. It's unnecessary. It is unnecessary. She would just be like, you don't have to do this. And I'm How like, about realistically yeah. looking at the situation and saying, she's really not going to find somebody that we need to really start getting investing in as parents until maybe college? Yeah, I don't know. I spiraled Mm. when my relationship with him ended. I was just so devastated. I think it was like your first really big heartbreak. It was. Um, I didn't handle it well. I wasn't eating. wasn't sleeping. My grades didn't slip, and I still got like a very high score on the ACT. So like performing under pressure. (laughs) No one was surprised. 
Yeah, I remember towards the end of that school year. And I mean, like, her and I were just fighting more because Mm -hmm. she just didn't understand. So, like, for her, being so disconnected from how I was feeling, I shouldn't say that she didn't try to understand how I was feeling because I'm sure that she was. But her approach to talking to me about understanding those feelings was not working for either of us. I just remember, it was like, you remember they would do, like, foreign language variety night? Mm. At our high school, where the two foreign language programs that were offered would, like, you could either perform a skit or another, in another language or, like, write a paper in that language. And, of course, like, obviously everybody performed a fucking skit because it's just easier. Mm-hmm. I did it for French. I did it for Espanol. And... Sorry. En Francaise. Oui. I remember it being foreign language writing night, and I came, we came home afterwards. I was so upset because I'd had to see him. And she was like... I don't understand why you're still upset about this. It was literally like five months later. And she was like, I just don't get why you're so upset about this. Like before with other boyfriends, you... Like, She's over it, why aren't you? Yes. Because they liked him too. Not as much as my first friend, but they liked Dad him. Dad never liked him. Well, no. You know what it was? Is that, you know why Dad didn't like him? Because I brought him over. She was a fucking schmuck. He was a schmuck. But I brought him over and we were going to play... We played rock band mm-hmm. together, and he was the percussionist that was really good oh, at the drum kit. He always played with the sticks. I do it remember w- that. Yeah, but it wasn't that. It was that I told him, I said, when we play this, if you don't play what's on the screen, like if you try to get fancy and add stuff, it's going to give you a bad score, just like a heads up. So like, if you want to play it on hard or expert, and he was like, whatever. And then we played it, and he bombed and mm-hmm. got mad. And I have a distinct memory of Dad standing at the kitchen sink, which in the house we grew up in, the kitchen sink had a window port overlooking into the living room, mm-hmm. calling out into the living family room where we were playing, going, she told you that would happen. Dad didn't like that he didn't listen to me. Oh, that I was like, my problem with the first... What, not, your first guess? My first guess for who you first dated, not your my... That was number two? Yeah. Yeah, you asked him to stop doing something, and he didn't. And I think it promptly emptied, like, three days later. Yeah. Um, we're not talking, like, you know, stop being yourself. It's, no. It's please stop being an obnoxious asshole in my parents' house. Yeah. So, yeah, Mom was like, I don't understand. I was like, I'm sad all the time. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And then she threatened to take me to a therapist. Well, do you need help? Do you need help that we can't give you? Do you need to talk to somebody? And I was terrified because my one exposure to therapy was also finding out that our grandmother was mentally unwell, that our grandfather was an alcoholic, and that our grandmother had committed a series of crimes. So, like, no, I don't... At that point, I was, like, not at all open to therapy of any kind. So I just fucking suffered. Like, well, she was like, well, I just don't know what to do with you. I don't know what to do with you anymore. Godspeed. And, like, left me crying in the bathroom. Luckily... I made it through that summer because I started becoming better friends with my best friend mm-hmm. who would come over like they once a week. They absolutely hated him. Oh my god. If if I had if I had said the word, we would have lit his family's house on fire. They would have done it on your behalf. They would have done it on my like if I had said if I had given any indication that like I wanted him dead, they would have been like, See you tomorrow and then like gone and done it and come back. They hated him. Well, he was awful. He was shit. So this person, like, eventually we should come up with a grand nickname for the sake of the podcast later. This yeah. episode is focused on mom. We'll get to them later. But yeah, you're right. A little bandit or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she just never. 
found a way to talk to me about my relationships in a way that was good or healthy or productive for the both of us. And then it culminated in college decision making. Because that's what it was. What it, what it boils down to for me was a, she didn't trust my ability to make good decisions for myself. Mm. And it showed up with relationships and it showed up with uh, my choice in schools. Yeah, and then she also held me to something I said when I was 12 years old. So Spud's path in education was our local community college transferred to a four-year institution for bachelors. When I was 12, I said, I might want to do that. That seems like a good idea. And so when I was 17 and trying to pick colleges, and I came home and said, you know, I don't think I want to do that anymore. I don't think that's the best route for me. I'd really love a very, like, traditional four-year experience, and if I could live on campus, that would be great. And she said, but that's not what we talked about. And I said, talked about when? And she said, well, we talked about when we took Spud out to see his four-year institution. And I said, when I was 12? She said, yeah, it's not what we talked about for you. I love, too, for adults, when it comes to adults with kids, things can never be brought back to the table for discussion. Like, once they're locked in stone, they're locked. Whereas, like, working with other adults now in, like, nonprofit world and whatnot, doing what I do, everything is always on the table at all times. Right. Literally everything is negotiable. That's the skill set they need to teach in schools. It is. But they don't want to find kids, so. No. He said, well, that's not what I want anymore. And she essentially said, like, well, too bad. So I worked with Dad, part of it was about money, that if I can get enough scholarships, wherever I get enough scholarships to go, like if I can cover my own tuition, pay for me to live there, I said yes. So worked my ass off senior year, got a bunch of scholarships, and then got an acceptance letter. Every every um, like brochure, for, like if a college came and visited our high school or my guidance counselor said like, hey, they have a program that I think you'd be really interested in. Every time I brought it home, she would spend all of dinner telling me why I shouldn't or couldn't go to that school. I brought it home and was interested. So like Grand Valley had a great program in what I was I wanted to study. Well, it's too far away. It's too expensive. You're not going to go there. Northern Michigan has one of the top degrees in my field. You want your father and I to drive six hours in the winter to come get you for Christmas. Okay, I guess I'm not going there. You did for Spud. Yeah. And so... I got a, I, I applied to one school, and that was the uh, local branch of a state school in our town, our local university, and I received a half-tuition scholarship, and I remember getting the letter in the mail about it and locking myself in the bathroom because she gloated that I wouldn't get to live on campus. She laughed and said, well, I guess you're not living on campus. Guess you gotta stay home. I just locked myself in the bathroom and just sobbed and got my shit together and came back out and said, Well, dad said that if I got enough scholarships to cover tuition, I could live on campus. And she goes, But you didn't. And I said, But I still could. I did. And I'm really working now on forgiving her by forgiving myself because I still made choices. What pushes me now about it is she'll sometimes, if it comes up and I haven't brought it up in a really long time because it's frankly like really painful um she'll do like an ends justify the means argument well it all worked out well you met mango and so it's fine a i didn't go to college to meet a man i just happened to so fuck that b like not to not to humble brag or not even to brag i was a good fucking student Mm -hmm. i got i could have gotten to any of the schools in the state 
I could have gone into some like really good private schools. You graduated fifth in your high school class, and you had uh, a 4.25 GPA. And I got a 30 on the ACT. Mm-hmm. On paper, I was like really good. Like I now work in higher ed. Like that's what my master's is in. And there's a term for what happened. And it's called undermatch. Mm-hmm. I was academically undermatched to my institution. They used they used formulaic admissions where like if you meet certain thresholds, everybody gets in. Mm-hmm. If everybody went to the school that they were qualified to go to based on their high school academics, that was not a school that I should have even considered. Mm-hmm. And for a really long time, I've blamed her. But I also have to own that I was an adult when I signed the paperwork. And I have benefited from that choice every single day. Mm-hmm. I had a great college experience. I did, in fact, meet the love of my life there. Mm-hmm. And I graduated without debt because I worked my ass off. I did get enough scholarships to make up for the other half of tuition for the first two years. And so mom and dad paid a percentage of what they paid for you to go to school for me to live on campus for those first few years. And then I was hired as an RA. So I was paying for my housing. And so they took over a tuition payment for two semesters. And then we split it my senior year when I moved home. And college was rough with her. The first year of college was rough with her because I felt obligated to come home every weekend. And when I brought that up to her, she that she wasn't making me, which just frankly felt like gaslighting. Mm. That I was somehow misconstruing this in my head, that I was in some alternate reality where she was making me come home every weekend, which wasn't the truth. I didn't feel like I couldn't. And when I brought it up that summer... I said, you know, like, other moms, like, my friends' moms don't make them come home every weekend, even when they live nearby. Are you telling me so-and-so's mom doesn't want them to come home every weekend? I was like, it's not about whether Mrs. So-and-so doesn't want her son to come home every weekend. You know, it's about whether or not he feels like he has to. Well, you don't have to. It, It was just this, like, circular, like, we weren't getting anywhere. And then I think Dad, in his understated brilliance, Pulled a dad card for once in his life that was just for me. Mm-hmm. Kicked down my bedroom door one day and said, you're old enough and you have to get a job. You've never had a job, you got to get a job. I said, fine, I'll get a job. I never do that. And I got a job at the front desk. And then it became so much easier to say, I can't come home this weekend. I had work and now I have to spend time in the library and catch up. Why do you think I've been working since I was 17? Fair enough. I didn't realize that until like literally two years ago that I was like, maybe dad did that on purpose. Because her and I were both too stubborn and too in it with each other to say, maybe we shouldn't live together. Maybe living together isn't what's best for our relationship. And it has been gradually easier ever since then. And I have lived with them since then. And something that helped us get back on the same page, something we do actually do together, (laughs) is crafting. Mm -hmm. We're both really crafty. She taught me and my best friend how to crochet. When I picked it up again as an as an adult, and then when I was in my junior year of college, towards the end of it, I was inappropriately touched by a coworker. I filed a Title IX case, which was a sham and more traumatizing than the actual event that I had uh, filed the case about. And she shared with me things that she hadn't even that she'd never shared with anybody before about how when she was a young woman starting her career, we talked about earlier how she had a boss, um, before the boss she had by the time she retired, who was a misogynist, who his friends and his colleagues would come 
and they would sexually harass her before they went into his meeting or they would crowd her up against filing cabinets. They'd touch her? Yeah, they'd make her uncomfortable, they'd hit on her, and she never told anybody. It was just what she was taught to expect. And so when I came home and then what happened and filed my case and she just told me how proud she was of me that I was doing something. And um, yeah, we've just had like a different understanding of each other since then. It sucks that it takes a shared trauma for folks to bond over things sometimes. That. But it was one of the times that like I came to her with something hard and I knew that she got it. And that really like put us back on the same page in a big way. But she, I mean, that doesn't mean we didn't have other, you know, we have, she's very concerned about, she was more concerned earlier in mine and Mango's relationship, because as I mentioned, he's Pakistani-American and Muslim, and so she once didn't talk to me for about two weeks, because I said I didn't want any part of our wedding to be necessarily Catholic. She doesn't like how I bring up that she converted to Catholicism for dad. I have no intentions of converting to Islam anytime soon. I wouldn't be doing it for the right reasons anyway. I'd just be doing it for, for mm-hmm. him, which is like not a reason to convert a religion. No. Yeah, she didn't. She dropped me off and she didn't hug me and she didn't kiss me and she just told me to get out of the car. She dropped me off back at school. She didn't talk to me for about two weeks. How often did you call them when you were at school? About once a week. Mm. Well, then I would come home for Sunday dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was hard. Yeah. And she's she wants grandkids and I can't say that I blame her and I have my days where I want kids, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, we'll see. Her and I just have to work harder. And I, I do have, I've had conversations with her that have started with, I want to have the type of relationship where I can talk with you about these things and feel listened to and understood. Mm-hmm. And I think she needs that direct clarity more than dad does sometimes. Yeah, he can pick up on the subtleties a bit more. Yeah, and so, like... Because she's always had a bit of a boundary issues herself with us. Yes. You are my children. You came from me. I have partial say yes. in this. For me, that manifests in, like, she can't always tell when I don't want to hug mm-hmm. and when I don't want to kiss. I have gotten better at receiving it and mm-hmm. accepting it, but there were times when it was made me want to crawl out of my skin. Well, I think she'd also just turn it into, like, a teasing thing where, you know, she's got a latch down to you. And you're like, okay, that's enough. And she, nope. And then, like, give you five more kisses when she only originally wanted to give you two more. Yeah, it became like a game to her, and then mm-hmm. I think as I got older and I set a boundary, I said, I need you to ask me first. Mm-hmm. And literally, with most things, honestly, like, if you ask me first, the answer is oh, almost always, which, you mm-hmm. know, like, Mango exploits to his advantage. But, like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, if you ask me, like, the answer is probably yes, but if you do it and you don't ask me, I'm probably going to say no. She's, she, her and I have always struggled to, like, navigate our physical boundaries and physical affection as well, and that's gotten better with time. But yeah, I have to negotiate my relationship with her a little bit more. Like, I want a relationship with her where I can talk about sex and I'm not talking about like we do this and it feels great lol like it's not like talking with a friend about sex it's like it's more clinical it's more medical it's like a I'll call her and be like this weird thing's happening down there has this ever happened to you and she's like yep give it a day and if not call me and I'm like great very early in mine and Mango's relationship talked about how like we didn't do penetrative sex like I wanted to talk to her about that and she looked me in my face and said, honey, we didn't have kids for 11 years. I know all about that game. And I was like, I love that for you. Thank you. Like, and I and I said that, like, I, 
you know, like when I have a pap smear or whatever, I go to the doctor and there's some female body related situation. Like I want to be able to just talk to her about it and not have it be like the time I asked her what an orgasm was. And she spent five minutes having an existential crisis before she finally told me. Like I've made it clear to her, like I need to be able to talk to these things. And she has risen to mm -hmm. the occasion to yeah. be like, oh yeah, like I was on birth control for whatever, whatever. Like this worked for me, this didn't. And we talk about it. Yeah. And that's where I want to be with her, where I can talk to her about those really important things and we can joke around. And yeah, I would say that our relationship is in the best, similar to you, like it's in the best spot it's been ever. Our dark places with her definitely overlapped. Like you and her started coming out of the woods shortly after her and I went into the woods. Yeah. And so, I mean, for her, there's a period of at least 10 years there where she was on the outs with at least one of her kids. It sucks. And for a brief period of time with both of them. Yeah. And, you know, that's got to feel lonely, too, or and I'm sure that, you know, hurt. Yeah. And, you know, she, I'm sure she felt like some sort of, like, you know, she didn't do her motherly duty or at some point in time. But, you know, we're family. We're bound to fight. It's going to be okay. We're going to work it out. And that's one thing we've always done is we will talk through it. I think because she didn't grow up with her mom or a mom. Overcompensates. Yes. I think she worries more than she needs to about whether or not she is or was a good mom. Mm -hmm. And I just wish she knew how good she was. Absolutely. And is. She is a testament to resilience. Yeah. When there have been moments of drama, potential trauma, mm -hmm. she rises to manage that crisis. Yeah. Like when our grandmother, her mother-in-law is being a nightmare, shows up unannounced, is screaming and, and just being traumatic. Our mother throws the kids in the car, turns to her husband, says, handle it. <laughs> You've got 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. We'll be back. If she's not gone by then, we're taking another lap. Mm -hmm. And you might be in the doghouse, sir, because yeah. I'll take the kids to a hotel where none of you can find us. Right. But, you know, for all of us, it was grandma came over. She started to act a little silly, kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. um, mom's a lot on edge, but she's taking us out for French fries. So let's go have some French fries. Yeah. And so it's moments like that. Because she, she drew, grew up in such a crisis, mm -hmm. constant crisis mm -hmm. mode, uh, she worked really hard and succeeded in making sure our house was a sanctuary. Yeah. And it was a safe, steady, consistent, quiet place deeply nurturing deeply caring she doesn't have a lot of friends she is an introvert in a very mm -hmm. true sense in the sense that like she likes her own time likes quiet time needs to recharge mm -hmm. after spending time with people would rather not leave the house if she doesn't have to she's a homebody like us yeah <laughs> um the, and the one the few friendships she does have are, mm -hmm. are like go back decades yeah and are very strong. And yeah, she might not see him for two years, but they pick up like there's nothing. I want to tell a small story. Yeah. So when we were growing up, um, because mom worked and dad worked, they hired a babysitter. Mm -hmm. And we went to her house. Mm -hmm. They were neighbors first. And then once we moved houses, we still went there. Uh, this woman, our babysitter, was a single mom of three boys, all of them older than me. But her youngest and I were only four, uh, five months apart. Mm -hmm. And so whenever mom showed up to pick me up or us up, we knew, like, start the clock, we got an hour. Because mom and the babysitter, would, like, they were good friends. Yeah. They sat and they, they would just, they were going to kick it for an hour. Five days out of the week. Yeah. <laughs> 
And our babysitter would take us to school if we were going to school, pick us up, you know, and the timing was, was off. And because she was struggling and whatnot, I'm sure they paid her a very good salary for the time. I'm sure she was collecting some alimony and assistance to make ends meet, as she is owed and deserves. Yeah. A lot of our characteristics come from this lady, too. Just this past January 2020, her youngest son, who's five months apart from me, he died of cancer. 32 years old, married, has a kid. Of her children was like her biggest problem child. Yeah, he he was. was the rascal. He, yeah, was he was the rebel. The rebel. But she went and got herself a, a goddamn nursing degree and worked in nursing for years. And so she nursed him for his last five weeks of life. Mm. Like my mom and this woman hadn't been very close for like a long time. Like they, like they see each other maybe once every other year if yeah. there's a wedding another funeral to go to yeah. and so i traveled with them and because they lived way up north uh, it was snowing we had to go through a blizzard there and back mm-hmm. to get to this thing but you know they were that really close group of friends that had been there for like they were at every one of our graduations yep. we went to every one of their open houses yep. all those those milestones mom and dad went to all their weddings i, I went too. to one of them yeah i, I just remember the one I can watch a movie, there's gore, there's there's like hack and slash, grandma dies, whatever happens, but when a parent has to bury a kid, I'm done. And we'll get into that a lot, lot later. That's when I, I, I tear up, I'm out, mm-hmm. I gotta go to the other room, I, I'll come back to the film later. Yeah. So knowing I'm going into that situation, yeah. I'm sitting there trying, like on the drive up, I'm trying, I'm fortifying, we're just trying to keep things light. Because of the arthritis, in my mind, and being with an unintentionally somewhat sexist viewpoint, I've always viewed our mother as frail, physically speaking, frail. Mm-hmm. She's a taller person, but she's, she's always been viewed as you know, physically weak. Mm-hmm. Emotional fortitude, never a doubt. Yeah. So we get to this funeral, and all three of her, uh, our babysitter's children are military guys. Mm-hmm. So it's wall-to-wall Marines yeah. in this little Potok town. I swear the building was only fire approved by the marshal for 100 people. There's at least 250 people in this <laughs> building. We get in there. It is wall to wall, shoulder to shoulder. You cannot move. We see the, t- the, the two older brothers uh, of the young man who passed. And me being tall, looked through two separate sets of doors mm-hmm. to where the casket was for viewing. Like, this funeral home was so small, they only had one room for viewing. We're talking to the dad. She divorced years ago. He's burying his son. Mm -hmm. He's just a wreck and drunk, and which really was never far from the norm, so we didn't see anything unusual. Anyhow, I I spot the babysitter. Mm -hmm. I look at dad, and I say, I I don't know how we're going to get to her. Without hesitation, like I'm putting a lot of these little details into one microcosm of like maybe five seconds of Mm -hmm. assessing the whole situation. Mm -hmm. And our mother does, I've seen it before, but this was just remarkable. Mm -hmm. She dropped down low, she twisted her shoulders in and angled them, and she zipped through that crowd with surgical precision. We lose sight of her. At that point, we've been shifted in the crowd a little bit. We can't mm-hmm. see our goal path anymore. But mom's gone. Turn to dad. He goes, I don't know. <laughs> and she's gone. 
And so, like, it takes us five minutes to shift and move through this crowd. Like, no joke, not exaggeration. And when you're trying to get past people, five minutes is a long time. It is. We finally step into the room, and we're maybe five or six people back from the casket and our babysitter. And there is this almost cinematic moment where you see this casket, the mother standing beside it, and a respectful half-circle breadth of maybe three or four feet 180 degree direction like a perfect protractor had been dropped down and our mother's holding her our babysitter is just open who's a tall taller than our mother Mm -hmm. just buried in our mom's neck openly weeping and sobbing because she referred to me and her youngest son as our twins collectively to our mom and so all i heard her just scream into our mother's neck is we we lost our boy. So our mom, who I see is physically weak, bulldozed through this crowd of people, <laughs> not giving a single fuck about anybody else. Someone had to take care of our babysitter, who had helped to raise and take care of her kids for so long. She had to go nurture our nurturer, because the sisterhood must stand. Our babysitter, tough lady. Physi- oh my god. Physically tough. <laughs> This woman had guns, yeah. like not physical guns, like actual guns. I'm talking like her arms. She's, yeah. This woman, this lady was ripped yeah. all the time. Yeah. Um, we watched her whip her kids up one side and down the other. They deserved it at times. They did. They were. Terrors. They were. Um, <laughs> so it was like just this dichotomy coming together. Like these two people are just yin and yang personality-wise. Sometimes mom's an introvert. Our babysitter's an extrovert. Mm-hmm. It was just like she had a minute. She could just let it all down. Because, you know, this baby is being tough for these Marines, being tough for her other boys that are here, tough for her ex-husband. She's just holding all this together. And for those, like, 30 seconds where she could cling to my mom, Mm -hmm. she could just be weak. And it's going to be okay. My mom's going to protect her. And so it was just horrifying yet special moment to witness. Mm -hmm. And I will never forget that. And it's just a testament to our mother's nurturing capacity mm-hmm. and crisis management. Like mom went up there with a mission. Yeah. I didn't even know. We're sitting in the car driving up there for two hours in the car, teehee and laughing and giggling. And, and she just went in and just held this lady. And even like later at the, the, the dinner afterwards, we had a few more minutes with her. She had so many other people to talk to. Yeah. She just stood there and held her hand, just held this lady's hand. We talked to the other boys, and we left, and then, you know, we had to get out of there. It was going to get real boozy real fast. No parent should have to bury a child. But if I had to ever go through what the babysitter went through, I wish I had somebody like our mom. She's amazing. Yeah, she is. We're so lucky. I absolutely adore that woman. <laughs> to the fucking moon. Yeah. With all her craziness. But, you know, I think all these moments we've reflected on here today, too, you know, she's she's human. She is. Those moments where she what, like feel like traumatic or mean to us are moments where she's choosing to be selfish, which is okay. Understandable. Understandable. Not you know not forgiving like the lasting impacts or the you know the not making excuses, but you know it's it's okay from time to time to want to be selfish about things or to not help yourself, not be able to help yourself from being mm-hmm. selfish. Very human, very human moments out of her because sometimes we do put our parents on a pedestal. They're supposed to be infallible, and that's not a reasonable expectation. Yeah, I remember being at a Sunday dinner when I was in college. This will be my final thought. Mm-hmm. And I remember 
it was just a there was nothing special about this Sunday dinner. It was just a regular run of the mill. Mm-hmm. I remember looking over at her and thinking to myself, oh my god, in her mind, she's not just my mom. She's a whole person. Mm-hmm. I had a whole life before I got here, and that's amazing. That she can be all of these things to me all the time. And in her mind, she just calls herself by her name the way I call myself, you know, Mac. Mm-hmm. In my head. But she's, <laughs> like, you know, she's, she's a, a cook, she's a seamstress, she's person. a housekeeper, she's an organizer, she's an accountant, she does the taxes. You know, she does mm-hmm. all these things for us, and she's just trying to get through her day, too, and fighting her own demons. Yeah, and still showing up when we Always. Our, our, our mother, if not anything, is consistent. And, and just desperately wants to be a part of our lives, and I'm not going to complain about that. Hell no. I mean, healthy boundaries are healthy. Yes. But uh, I'm not going to complain about her wanting to be a part of my life because we know so many people who don't have it that way. We are so very grateful for her. You know, even with her work, when she was well-connected in this community. Mm-hmm. I saw her at a Christmas party a couple years ago. And again, I always think of mom with dad. Not that mom had this thriving, vibrant career all her own. And she's talking to titans of our community. Who and, are very excited to see her. When I joined the local chapter of Kiwanis here... Five people came out of, heard my last name, do you know? Fuss. Yeah, that's a good woman. That's a good woman right there. Uh, I know, thanks. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I think I ended up here. I agree. She just always surprises me. As consistent as she is, like that that moment at that Christmas party, uh, the community Christmas party, and with our babysitter, just these moments just surprise me. I don't know why they surprised me. I shouldn't be surprised. She's amazing and, and, and has done a hell of a job raising us, despite her flaws. I'm really proud to call her my mom. Me too. We lucked out. Yeah, we did. She's a treasure. She's an absolute gem to the family, and they don't even know it. And Dad said that for years, though. True. He knew he knew the diamond in the rough he got. Hell yeah. And uh, I, I love when he gets a little bitter about it, because they don't even fucking know how good they've got it with her. They don't even know that she. They don't even realize she's the glue that holds it all together. Yeah. So subtly, so with such grace. Yeah, she's pretty special, and uh, I appreciate her forever. Those are my final thoughts. Excellent. And as we always say, everyone comes from a wild family. It's always a good idea to have someone to talk about them with. Don't be judgy. Be a little judgy. Don't be mean. Only if they're mean. We don't get to choose our family. But we do get to choose who our favorites are. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Potatoes and Pasta. Be good, be kind, be forgiving. Until next time, family. Bye. The fact that she's really a cutie. Oh my god. She cracks me up. She's ridiculous. Yeah, she uses more emojis than either of us put together. And I love it. I love texting her. I don't know, the thumbs up emoji just seems so dismissive. (laughs) Take it personal every time.